What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Rausch. Your no excuses. I'm excited to announce that my guest tonight is Mr. Martin Stark, all the way from Mr. Australia from Australia. Martin, welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show. How are you doing tonight? I'm really well, thanks. Just back from the gym, so I'm feeling really pumped and excited to see you today. Mate, yeah, really, you know, just back from the gym. It's really quiet, so I've got the machines, and yeah, really, really excited to speak with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here for all the way from down under in Australia. Um, and my first question is a pretty easy question. What do you want people to most get from this conversation tonight? You just heard me do the intro and, and pumping everybody up and kind of just talking about, you know, where I'm at and what I'm doing in life. What do you want most for people to really get from this message tonight? Because I know a lot of people out there are watching and listening. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity to help people to overcome a lot of things. So what's in your heart and mind tonight? I want people to get a message of how they can be courageous in whatever shape or form they want to be courageous. But before we get to the conversation, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where I currently am, the Gumraga people, and pay respects to elders past, present, and emerging. And my pronouns are he, him. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, um, so courage, being courageous. Talk to us about what that word means, because I think a lot of times we were, I was just having a conversation with somebody earlier today that sometimes we, we go off on a conversation, but we don't necessarily identify what the terms mean. And some of us may have different meanings for, for different words. And so I think it's important. I've been starting to do this on the show. And I found that sometimes my definition of a word differs from my guest. So what does courage mean to you? So I define it as taking ownership of fear and venturing forward with confidence and resilience. And I think about the last few years, we were fearful of COVID, but we were confident things would improve. So we had to own that fear. And whatever challenges we faced, we came together as a community and we moved forward with confidence and we were so resilient. Now, I've faced many challenges in life. I've been in comas. I've survived having a rare disease for 17 years. And there've been times I've just had to be, get on with it, own that fear, and move forward. Sometimes it's being stoic, but it's also being vulnerable and accepting things for as they are and just going at a place that you feel comfortable. Mm, I love that. So when you, when you sit there and you talk about accepting things as they are, I think that's very, very critical. I tell people all the time, like it is what it is. Like really, you know, I've got cancer. I, I don't have money to pay. It is what it is. Like when we get real and raw with what the situation is, it's pretty clear that the next step is what can I do to change it? What's one little step that I can do in this particular moment that might make a little bit of a difference in that and perpetuating that action to create that inertia. Talk to us about that. I mean, why is that so important to you? What is, what has been your experience in your life just to understand that, you know, sometimes it is just what it is. Usually events have happened to me in life. And I've, the worst thing is fearing, not accepting. I'll give an example. In 2006, I was in two induced comas. I had gallstones blocking my liver. I had a tracheotomy. And people have listened to me hear this story time and time again. I had to accept that situation in order to move forward. I remember not being able to speak for a few days because I had a tracheotomy tube. And there was one nurse who could lip read. So for the first time in a few weeks, I was having a conversation and it was fun. There were two of the nurses and we were just gossiping. It was just that moment of vulnerability. But in that one moment, I was able to communicate and say what I felt. I was so vulnerable 
and there's that moment of humanity and i think that's what accepting something brings it brings that humanity because when you ask somebody how they can specifically help you you're more likely to get the support you need but if you're all over the place and not accepting the situation you, you are consuming too much oxygen and it, it, sometimes it's tough to say that but if somebody asks me for help tell me how i could specifically help you rather than i want to do this i want to do that if you're not clear then I'm not sure how I can help you. But when you're clear and you instill that confidence with your clarity, that's so courageous. And I'm inspired by courageous people. I want to help them succeed because it's so infectious seeing other people wanting to achieve their dreams and just working so hard to do that. Mm, I love that. And, and you know what you're talking about is, is that resiliency factor is by being able to sit there and say, you know, that I've been through this experience, but it's not the end of my experience. It's not the end of the road. There's always more to go. I was telling somebody today that, you know, they were talking about failure. And I said, failure is not the falling down. Failure is the staying down, which is a choice. And so when you think about some of those tough times that you've been through in your life, you talked about you've had some really uh, traumatic experiences. Talk to us about one of those lowest points in your life and what it is that you did to build that courage muscle to be able to come out of that experience stronger and better for having had that experience. So one of the lowest points was four and a half years ago, no, five and a half years ago. I almost died at the end of 2017. I have wow. Addison's disease. My, my body doesn't produce cortisol. So if you can imagine somebody with type 1 diabetes not being able to take insulin, it's a bit similar for me with cortisol, my body doesn't produce it. I went to work that day, I wasn't feeling well, so I took some additional cortisol, came home, collapsed, gave myself an intramuscular injection of hydrocortisone, called the paramedics, was rushed straight to the local hospital and was taken right to the resuscitation section of emergency, the intensive care section. Now, it took 20 times my normal dose to stabilize me. Doctors working hard. That experience brought back memories of being in comas, the experience of having a tracheotomy, and the memories of that brought back PTSD. So I had to do something different, and I underwent self-defense training and boxing training, did something completely different, but I had to accept the situation and try something different to really recover. So that's probably one of the hardest things I, I've been through, but it transformed my life. How did you get? How did you get through that process? And thank you for sharing that. How did you get that put through that process? How much different were you on the other side of that process? And how did that affect some of your interpersonal relationships? Because I know for me, I've been through a lot of experiences in my life where on the other side of it, I become a different person. And I found that I've outgrown people or people didn't understand where I was in my growth process. Talk to us about that, because I know a lot of people are out there struggling right now. They're either afraid to to get better because they don't want to leave people behind or people are holding them back and trying to keep them the same because they're afraid of what they might not become. So talk to us about that. You, did you become a different person and did you have to let people go through that? I became stronger and actually became more vulnerable. So I had basically told my brain that I didn't matter as much as I should be giving myself credit for. And really I've been through so much nonsense, so much stuff that whatever you throw at me, I'll deal with it. Now, the first time I did shadow boxing, which is you know, you're mimicking the moves of being in the ring. I, the idea of me being hit, it didn't bother me as much as hurting somebody else. I was more concerned about hurting another person. What I was telling myself is other people mattered more than I was giving myself credit for. So that was more empowering. What I started doing is through 
during my boxing training on Instagram, people used to joke Martin could never punch his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> then Martin, how's your boxing training going? And new opportunities opened up. I've only been following my journey for the last four and a half years you know, through LinkedIn, becoming a keynote speaker, speaking on CNN and being interviewed by The Guardian, things that I never considered that I would ever do to then start doing. So really opportunities to open up. So it's really new relationships waiting for me to enter rather than leaving some people behind. We move jobs. Do we keep in contact with your colleagues? You may want or two. I think those are the things. It's like work isn't everything. And I probably used to give more credit for work than I did what I should be giving my, my time and evenings and weekends. <laughs> right. And I, and, I, you, there's, and I thank you for that. And there's something, there's a word you've mentioned twice now, and I was going to talk about it a little bit later, but I want to, I want to touch on it now. You've said vulnerability. And so many times we're talking about courage and being courageous. So many times we think about vulnerability as a weakness, right? You know, when we grow up, especially as men, as young boys, you know, we're told, you know, you got to be strong and you can't be a wimp and a wimp and stuff like that. But so we think about being vulnerable as like, you know, a sign of weakness. What is it in your mind? Because I, as I, I see vulnerability now as, as, a, as a power of strength. And we were talking about before, you know, asking people uh, questions and asking people for help. And so oftentimes those tie together that we don't want to feel vulnerable. We don't want to feel like we're weak or we don't have what it is that we need. Talk to us about that journey for yourself and what you've learned from that, what you might be able to share with people who are struggling with that themselves. I mean, a lot of that is wrapped up in my sexuality. You know, for years, hid being gay, when people would make innuendo, would make jokes, as if it was something bad and right. then coming out as gay and then you face homophobia through the years like most people from the lgbtq plus community to then suddenly well in order to fit in do i have to submit to the jokes do i have to change who i am to make you feel comfortable or am i being vulnerable to this and i'm not comfortable with this and i'm going to change this or i'm going to move away from this and that's where I think the courage comes in. It's with the vulnerability, you're owning the fear. When you own the fear, you understand. Fear can give you a great source of information. It can guide you to making important decisions if you choose to use that information. So for years, I was scared of snakes. I went to a wildlife park in the middle of the CBD of Sydney. And four years ago, I conquered my fear of snakes and I held a python. A few years later, I went back and I held the python. And I tell you, it was something I was scared of for years. And I would, if there would be anything documentary on snakes on the television, I would often wake up screaming at night because I'd have a dream of being bitten by one of the venomous snakes we have here in Australia. But holding the python and touching the python, they were themselves with me. They trusted me. They were their natural selves. They weren't scared of me. So what was the fear? It was my lack of understanding, my lack Ooh. of not allowing the fear to, to really change my behavior. Not necessarily from snakes, but however I've allowed fear of not being me and listening to what other people say rather than what I want to do for too many years. And that's wrapped up in, in many things. And that's what people are scared of, of the change that you make for yourself. Do you want to be successful? Yes. You need to be courageous. Or do you want your dream to be a future regret? 
Right. Oh, regret. There you're talking about. And just for you guys listening and watching, um, I have my two kittens inside my my studio. I thought it would be a, a cute idea to have them in here. So if you guys hear the little meowing, um, it, I guess it wasn't a cute idea. <laughs> they realize they're going to be meowing as much as they are. Um, yeah. You know, and I love what you're talking about there. You know, it's a fact of, you know, what are we truly afraid of? You know, and 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 I find a lot of people that are they're afraid of, of things that never materialize. There's a great book out there called... Um, face the fear and, and do it anyway by Susan yeah. Jeffers. It's an amazing book. It's actually got a workbook with it as well. And it talks about that the fact that 98% of all fears are never materialized. They're only made up in our brain. And I think a lot of that goes back to our childhood conditioning of what it is that we're supposed to be afraid of and kind of that holds us back. When you think about fear, Martin, you know, obviously you're in the boxing ring, you're, 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 you're doing all these different things. What, how do you reframe fear so that it empowers you? So for me in the boxing ring, one thing I'm aware of is having Addison's disease. So for me, my body doesn't produce cortisol, any type of physical stress. When you're exercising, I need to take additional dose of cortisol. So I'm aware of my limitations. And through that, I know to get through three by two minute rounds, I need to stay hydrated. There'll be times I need to say back off, slow down for me. Now as a boxer, Am I supposed to be scared of the other opponent? No, I want to get, get the best, but I need to be aware that I do have limitations from a condition which has almost killed me several times. So I communicate that and I do my best. I don't fear not winning. I don't fear not getting through all the rounds and I haven't boxed for several months now, but what I fear is not trying. What I fear is not enjoying the experience. And I don't care what people, if I won or lost or whatever, I don't really care because that, that's not the reason why I've taken up boxing and fought for change and, and led change in the sport. It's actually making impacts to share the impact of the sport I love. And armchair critics and keyboard warriors, <laughs> they're scared of their own shadow. Honestly, if I hold, hold up a mirror and go, this is what I think of you, what do you think of you? And they don't probably like the reflection. That's why being mean to somebody in a few social media posts, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, you can have a go at somebody, but what are you trying to hide there? Mm -hmm. That's true. That's why I talk about the accountability mirror. It's like, you know what? Oftentimes we don't like in other people we don't like in ourselves. And I find that people who are very judgmental have a problem when I say that. I just, I said that to somebody not too long ago. I said, you often don't like in others what we don't like in ourselves. I said, so why don't you turn the mirror around and look at yourself and, and look at it from a different aspect of what can I learn and heal from this? What can I, what can I look within inside myself? What would it feel like if I let that go? Right. You know, cause I tell people that we're more the same than we are different. I don't care if you're black, white, straight, gay, Republican, Democrat, tall, short, whatever label you want to put on it. You know, I've done this in, in audiences of thousands of people. And I'm like, everybody look around. I usually do it towards the end because it's just my way of kind of just leaving people with a life thought. I'm like, look around. And everybody's looking around. I'm like, you got tall, white, black, straight, gay, you know, Republican, Democrats, got everybody in the room. And some of you might judge people by what they look like on the outside. I said, but I promise you that if you split us all down the middle, guess what? We're all the same. We're yeah. all the same. Guess what? We all have emotions and feelings and we all pretty much generally want the same thing. We want happiness. We want love. We want prosperity. We want opportunity. And so the sooner we sit there and see ourselves more the same than we do different, it's pretty incredible how the world opens up and how that love starts to open up. Because to your point, Martin, you know, when you're sitting there operating, I sit there and I know that people operate from two spaces, either they operate from love or fear. 
And when you're operating from a space of fear, you're really limiting your opportunity to experience joy and happiness and true fulfillment in life. And so many people are sitting there hoping, wishing, and praying that someday they're going to be able to be happy. And that's the ridiculous part of it because they can be happy right now just by letting go of that judgment and that prejudice and then be able to sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to be who I need to be. I'm not going to worry about what everybody else is doing. If everybody else is being happy, I should probably focus on that as well and become more genuine with myself. And I know that's for me, like I was a suit and tie speaker. I was up there very successful, making a lot of money on the speaking circuit. And then I came off stage one day and I looked around. I'm like, we're all wearing the same fucking suit. We're all doing the same little triangular pose. We're all saying the same thing. And I'm like, I'm not being me. I'm not being me. I'm successful. I'm a successful on paper, but I'm not being congruent to who I truly am. I'm a rocker. I'm a biker. I'm a smart ass. I swear. I'm one part George Carlin, one part Tony Robbins, all mixed up at an ACDC concert. And so from that point forward, I said, what would it be like if I sat there and surrendered this need to fit into everybody else's box? Right. What would it feel like? It would feel amazing not to have to worry pretending to be somebody that I'm not in order to gain the success when that person's not even being who they are right? Talk to us about that journey. Talk to us about how we can help people become more authentic and congruent with who they truly are. I describe courage as at your own pace in four steps. The first one is passion and it's action and it's confidence and excellence. When you're passionate about something, you will find the time to do it. You will just find it, whether it's going for a walk, losing weight, buying different types of food or avoiding other types of food, you will find a way of doing it. The second is action. You, know, you have to start doing something consistently. And you make mistakes, you learn along the way, but then you start getting confident. And that's where the confidence comes in. And people see that in you, you instill that confidence. And then it's what I call is actually striving for excellence. And I, perfectionism has stopped me doing too many things. You know, oh, it's, if it's not right, really what I was putting out there was far better than what I was giving myself credit for, but it didn't reach this standard, which unattainable standard. But if you strive for excellence, that means you can celebrate what you have achieved. You might want to improve, you want to do something different, but it really starts with being passionate. If you want to do something, you will find a way of doing it. But you have to have that passion. You have to do that because how many times do you come across people who just talk? I want to do this. I want to do that. They use so much energy talking. When the opportunity comes up, will you be coming this Thursday? This is available to you. Do you want to take it up? You don't hear anything. There are excuses, or what I describe. People can spend a lot of time protecting average. You know, it could be a great achievement. However. Other people may have done something which is a bit better than, better than you. Are you going to bring them down or are you going to celebrate? Are you going to think, you know what, I'm going to learn what they achieved and I'm going to do that slightly differently. I need to do competitive swimming. You know, backstroke was my stroke and I learned how to do things slightly differently and it improved my time. There was somebody I was at university with, you know, was a national champion in something else. I'm like, yeah, really happy for him. But we still went to the pub after swimming training. We we're still mates. The fact that he was far better than me at swimming didn't mean we're any better than me, me in life. And that's the thing if you're comparing yourself to others and you're jealous or are you happy for this? And that's really where it comes in is like your own behaviors. Mm, that's I love that. I love that. You know, it's you said a couple of things there I want to dive off on. Um, the, the one thing that really kind of struck out to me with what you just said is, you know, 
you know, always striving for excellence, right? I was telling somebody just today, I said, they said, you know, Chris, how do we, how have you been so successful? And I said, I've literally failed. We were talking about failure before. And this is the same conversation. And I said, I've literally failed my way to success. And they're like, huh? It was on a zoom call, potential coaching client. And I said, I've literally failed my way to success. I said, the reason I am here today as a former seventh grade homeless dropout is I took imperfect action every single fucking day. And I never stopped. I just sat there and said, okay, what can I do in this moment? That's going to get me to the next step and the next step and the next step. And I just never stopped. And every day it compounded on itself over time. And it, it built my confidence. It built my courage. It built my resiliency. It built the fact that I became the no excuses coach because literally I did not give myself any excuses. If I didn't feel like giving up, getting up in the morning, I'm like, what's the, what does that mean? I'm not a morning person. That's an excuse. That's bullshit. If you get up in the morning, you start moving, you'll become a morning person. And actually, I mean, we were just talking before we were on camera. I'm on a part of the 5 a.m. club now. I'm going to the gym at five o'clock in the morning and it feels amazing. It feels, it feels great because I'm not sitting there waiting for that perfect day. I'm not waiting for everything to be perfect. I'm not waiting for everything to be excellent. I'm sitting there understanding the fact that it's going to be what it is. And I think tying this all together is important for people to really grasp that, you know, you said something else, you know, like, I ask people questions all the time and I ask people like, when did it become acceptable to be mediocre? And they just stop. And they're like, well, it's, it's not acceptable to be mediocre, Chris. And I'm like, then why are you allowing yourself to be mediocre? Why are you, when did it become acceptable to be complacent? Right. When you start asking yourself different questions and you get honest with yourself, that's the opportunity for us to change what it is that we're doing. And when you're talking about excellence, I think, I think about doing our best, right? You know, I came back from work one day years and years ago, and I, I was putting my stuff on the, the dresser and I said, I did the best I could. And I sat there and I, I often talk to myself out loud. Um, and I said, I did the best I could. And I sat there and I thought about it. And I'm like, Chris, was that really your best? Like when you think about what your best is, again, going back to defining terms, how we define courage, what is your, what is your thought on that? Like when you sit there and say, okay, Mark, I did the best I could today. What is it we can do to shift what it is that we think we are, where we're capable of? We talk about discipline, right? Getting in the ring, training, becoming the best version of ourselves. How can we inspire people to really do their best? Because I know it's about leverage, but I'd be, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and what we can do to inspire people to do better. So years ago, I was following agile methodology training, watching lots of videos. And one phrase just really resonated with me. It was focus on what matters because what do you actually need to get out the door versus what do you really need to deliver for your client? Because sometimes you just need to do X, we don't need to deliver Y. So really feel what is it you need to achieve? Is it to get to the airport? Do you need to get the B&W taxi or do you need the Uber driver to arrive within five minutes to get to the airport? Now, if you're picking up I don't know, Prince Harry, you might need the BMW or something else. But if you're just picking up, you know, your mate, your mate won't really care if you rock up in an Uber. You know, that, that's the difference. It's all about delivering for you, delivering for the clients. It's about solving the problems. But it's also doing something which is, which is attainable, which is going to make you happy that you can deliver. And delivering something is better than not delivering anything and failing to give it a try. So, so it's really looking at what standard you want to deliver and, you know, what is the standard that you need to deliver and really focusing on what matters and then challenging your energy, your efforts, asking for help. Because often if it's not going to get done, you have a deadline, right? Is your client going to wait because you couldn't get your act together 
or you want something that your client doesn't want you to deliver. So it's really having that, that honesty of those conversations with yourself and focusing on what matters. Mm-hmm. You're talking about leverage, my friend. Leverage. Yeah. That's what I. That's why. That's why I use in my coaching clients is when you have leverage, it's it's amazing. You become resourceful, right? Yeah. You know, I sit there and talk to people. A lot of people who are struggling with money, and I'm like, okay, what would it be like if I asked you to go earn ten thousand dollars in seven days, and it can't be illegal, immoral, or unethical? People look at me like I've got three eyes. They're like, well, Chris, if I could get ten thousand dollars in seven days, I wouldn't need you. And I'm like, okay, so tell me about the person that you love the most. Do you have kids? Yes, I have kids. Okay, what's your kid's name? Nathan. Okay, how old is Nathan? Nathan's nine. At scale one to 10, 10 being absolute, what would you do for Nathan? Would you would you take a bullet for Nathan? Absolutely, I would do anything possible that I, for, for my son. I would I love him to death and there's nothing I wouldn't stop at. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go dark here for a second because sometimes leverage is dark. And I think that there's some amazing beauty in darkness. And I said, okay, so when you come home tomorrow, you walk through the front door and Nathan's sitting in a chair and next to the person, next to Nathan is a person holding a nine millimeter pistol to Nathan's head. And that person looks at you and says, hi, mom, dad, um, you need to go get $10,000 and it can't be illegal, immoral, and ethical. I said, now, can you go get $10,000 in seven days? And without a doubt, Martin, I've had 100% success with people telling me, yes, I could. And I said, what would you do? Like, I would sell this. I would do this. I would go for, they would come up with all these ideas because now they have leverage before they had excuses. And I think so many times to your point is the fact that we have that big enough. Why it's incredible how we find that, how, and so to you, my friend, what is your why and how did you discover what your why is? My why I have two whys. One is to make an impact through courage. The other one is to solve a problem which doesn't exist, and that's homophobia and transphobia in sport, particularly boxing. And the first one is something, it's a continual journey. It's why to speak about courage. I love getting on stage, sharing a message of courage, sharing my stories of being in comas and boxing. And the second one has been my life for the last four years, and I shared that vision predominantly through LinkedIn. Now, me sharing a vision of solving the problem of homophobia and transphobia and boxing. Oh my goodness, how angry people get over homophobia. It's woke. We shouldn't be doing this. Why are people more angry about efforts to solve hatred in sport than they are about people experiencing hatred in sport? You know, right. I speak out against racism. You know, I, to me as, a, as an ally, it's about speaking up educating others and, and amplifying messages. So I had to go to the police twice about the World Boxing Championships. One was somebody wouldn't stop messaging me. You know, I said, well, let the police, you know, the second was a, a nasty threatening email. I won't stand for it. But why is it that people are comfortable for others to experience hatred, to experience being, and this is, this is the comfort comes in. If somebody said to you, you know what, I'd like you to stop doing that. No, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get something wrong by apologizing and moving on. Most people will be, yeah, it's all cool now. However, we've all come across people. The fact you've said something, hey, would you stop doing that, please? The fact that you're the person who said something and they kind of feel shamed. How does their behavior towards you change? I think we've all come across the bullies. You've said something or something and then they've gone, they feel shame. So the best things they can do is attack rather than change their behavior. 
Mm -hmm. And that's where courage comes in. I'll give an example. Last year, I was on a bus in Sydney coming home, a lovely family with their small children on the bus. And this lady got on the bus and she made racist comments. She was, she was rude. She came to the back of the bus and I said something. Hey, you shouldn't say that. Everybody else on the bus could have said something. So you have one person who's being rude, making racist comments, shouting, you know, because you think, oh, she's having to go out there. Might say, well, I said something. Can you imagine what it would have been like to you know young children hearing these comments and nobody said something? Wow. You know, all it takes is one person to say something and the difference. I tell you, the people who've defended me and been there for me when I've been facing the nonsense especially when I had depression last year, you know, very bad depression, and people have checked in with me and said something. So why is it that today that there's more racism, there's more hatred? You know, we've seen the events that have been happening across the world the last few years. Yeah. Why is it that talking about racism, about educating people about how not to be homophobic, how not to be racist, derives more anger than the actual atrocious behaviors of racism homophobia, bigotry, hatred. Where do you think that stems from? Like when you think about the root, I was, I'm, I'm very keen on the root of the problem. Where in your opinion, do you think that stems from? Cause I, I go back to the, 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 the simple analogy that hurt people, hurt people. And those people are, are, are missing something in their own lives. But from your personal experience in the world and, and your, in your life that you've lived, where do you think it really comes from? Fear and anger. So it's a fear of change fear of acknowledging that things need to change, fear of acknowledging that there may be a problem and that we're all part of the problem and solving that problem. And anger is a great way of getting power and communicating because when we're angry, it fuels others. It kind of gives permission for other people to be angry. And the best thing about being angry is when you, sorry, the hardest thing is about being angry is changing that, but picking on somebody, picking on another community, you know, scapegoating, being angry towards them, fueling that anger, that's how people get power. Because aren't enough, aren't enough people throughout history who've challenged that, who've challenged that anger, who's challenged that fear-mongering. Mm, I love that. I mean, and it's it's so important to, to think about that, is when we can let go of that anger and that fear and that animosity, it's pretty incredible the healing process that can happen. I've seen a lot of people in my life. I've been I've been blessed enough to coach some people through that process to be able to let go of that anger because they've been miserable people. And I'm like, I just ask them the question, I'm like, what would it feel like not to be angry anymore? I'm like, Chris, I'm just so angry. I'm just so frustrated. I'm, I'm like, what would it feel like if you just weren't that way anymore? Well, that's easier than said than done. Of course it is. Of course it is. And so I sit there and I walk them through the process of, of talking about empathy and forgiveness. My mother physically beat me, mentally abused me. I was bullied by every kid on the street. I was bullied by every kid on the block on the, at school. You know, I had zero self-confidence. I had my ass kicked all the way up until I was in the seventh grade where I in turn became the bully for a minute. And, you know, for me, I used to carry a lot of hatred and a lot of anger around about my mom and all, all those people, like what they did to me, what they did to me. But, you know, the simple process of being able to sit there and say, if I went through their experiences with their parents and their teachers and their religion and their society and their everything else, might I have been like them? And so, Martin, that was hard for me. I sat there. I yeah. fought with myself for years. I've been going through this for years. And I thought, no, I wouldn't have been like them because I blah, blah, blah. 
And then it, one day it just really occurred to me. I'm like, I probably would have been like them. And because they were like them and I was like, I am, I've become the person I am today. So I looked at it not as though I was a victim, but I looked at it as a source of gratitude to sit there and say, because of those experiences, this is the man I've become. And I'm grateful for it. Do I want to go back and have my ass kicked again by all those people? No, but I could sit there and stand tall today and be able to mentor at-risk kids and talk to those bullies and sit there and say, hey, listen, I know you're hurting inside. I know this is just your way of coping and having control over the situation. But once you let go of that control, and once you let go of that anger, it's pretty incredible what can what what can really happen in your life and the and the beauty and yeah. the love that you can attract. I want you to talk about that. Talk about empathy and forgiveness and what it's how it's played a role in your life and how we might inspire other people to consider it for themselves. I mean, empathy is such a gift of humanity, you know, learning through another person's lived experience you know, listening with discomfort and working through that discomfort so you can truly understand another person. And through storytelling, impactful way of communicating, those common experiences where we find common ground. Mm -hmm. You talked about the coffee shop. It's like we're, we're in a local coffee shop. You know, I, I don't drink alcohol, so I'm not really a bar person, but I love, you know, catch up for coffee with friends. And I say, it's like a coffee and a gossip, you know, what, what's been happening throughout right. the week. But when, it, when we catch up with our mates or family members, we share what's happened. Somebody might say, oh, this happened to me this week or I achieved that this week. And we share. That's that humanity. It's that community building. So we listen. We learn. We share advice. We share perspectives. You might be going on holiday somewhere. I love going to Brazil. So I love, going, I love Rio de Janeiro. And so we'll go here, go there because I tell you, this experience is going to be magical for you. Or you might say, Martin, you're coming over here. I recommend you go to this place or this club or this experience because I'm learning from your lived experience. Now take that one step further. We'll talk about inequities. We'll talk about equality. We'll talk about access to opportunities. Yeah. If I tell you by having the rainbow flag, during pride is great but having the rainbow flag in your business because you're you want to be an ally to the lgbtq plus community means when i walk past your business i know i'm welcome the difference now that will grow your business that will grow your community that will grow all of those things now some people might say why are you being woke by having the pride flag but you know are you are you a mate to the community do you stand against homophobia and People experience bigotry, of course you do. Now you can have the conversation with the bully. You might be able to change their mind. You might be able to open those things up. And that's where the empathy comes in. It's where the understanding comes in. But it's also walking through that fear. Mm -hmm. So who have you had to forgive or have empathy for in your life? And what was what was that what was that process like? So the first person was really myself, and you know, not being able to open up to my sexuality. I think the second is through some experiences which I, I can't share, you know, think things which have happened to me. Sure. So I've just been able to go through that experience and just to be able to compartmentalize that. So that's one of the hardest things that I've, that I've dealt with and read between lines whatever or whatever that may be. But also, you know, People who've maybe have been homophobic in the past or you've said something in the past, but when you get to know the person, you know, 
they've apologized, they've opened up and then they've learned something. So so that's and that's been an easy forgive. Because the hardest thing is when somebody doesn't change and they continue, is acquiescing to bullying. But when somebody makes a mistake, oh I didn't didn't realise that, and you educate and you open up their hearts, you know, that's that's the beauty of, of humanity and the gift of forgiveness, because you can really get some amazing friendships. So true. So true. That's beautiful, brother. I appreciate you saying that because it really is. If we could, we could, if everybody in the world could find, you know, the power within themselves to forgive themselves for past discretions or, or mistakes or failures or things of that nature, um, how fast the world would change. You know, if everybody in the world could find the one person that they need to apologize to or forgive and be able to start that healing journey, what a ripple effect that could have in the world and how much different the world would be. That's always my goal. My, my goal is that I, I think we're one, we're one action away as a society, as a world, that if I had my druthers, I'd have a microphone to everybody and be like, okay, listen, this is what we can do. Like I, the, the, have you ever seen the movie Pay It Forward? By Haley Joe, Haley Joe Osmond. No, no, I haven't it's seen it. It's a beautiful movie. It's it's, it's this little kid. Well, his, his name was Haley Joe Osmond. That's the the kid. But basically, this little boy went out and started doing nice things for other people. It's quite honestly how I started coaching, because I always had the gift of coaching even before coaching was a thing. And this little boy just started doing nice things for other people, and it created this ripple effect. And uh, it's a beautiful movie. It really inspired me. That and Patch Adams both inspired me to become a coach to be able to use my natural gifts and my talents so i did pay it forward coaching for many many years where i would just not charge somebody i would do a six-week program with them and the whole deal was your payment is that you go out and do three nice things for complete strangers and you come back and tell me about it that's your payment otherwise i'll coach you for free um and the the the, the coaching helped them but I found out, honestly, Martin, it was the fact that once you got outside yourself and you went and donated your time at a homeless shelter, or you went and visited old people at an old folks home, or whatever it is that you did in your own way, you went and picked up trash, the act of going and doing something for somebody else was, was super healing for people. And so I've always had this dream, like if we could just, everybody could just stop watching the news and following politics for a month. And every single day and every single way, if you could just do one nice thing for somebody else, whether it's just waving to somebody, buying them a coffee, saying hi to them, whatever it is in your own little way, you know, go and mowing somebody's lawn. I know there's a guy on TikTok that goes out and mows people's lawn, just his way of giving back. How different the world would be after that month, like 30 days. Can we all invest 30 days to quit watching the bullshit news and the propaganda and all that shit and really go out there and how different this world would be? What do you think would happen? Half the conspiracy theories would stop. <laughs> I think 30 days later, they would all stop. It's it's one of those things where if we fuel with kindness, we fuel with compassion, it comes back to us tenfold. But if we are the opposite, that's the energy you will be giving out. There are two defense techniques in boxing which are perfect for social media. The first one is the block. The second is to walk away. Now, there's times where you see people arguing. I'm like, why, why are these people on? You know, because we're reading these messages. There are, I'm on LinkedIn all the time, and I can tell you the worst thing you can do is be mean to another person. Yeah. Because we see it. We see it. It will cost you business. You know, I've been in multiple audio rooms where we've shared examples without naming names and said, so said you know, I, wouldn't, I won't recommend this person anymore. They don't get any business through me, any referrals through me, because I saw how they were being disrespectful to somebody else. Versus, wow, I've seen you how you help time and time again, 
I see you speak. You will be great for my audience. You'll be great for my client. Somebody needs something else. They've seen you consistently show your kindness, your compassion, your ability to deliver the impact that you're making. So that's really, you know, the 30 days of kindness, but the 30 days of delivering for your clients with courage. You'll get more 30 days to keep getting repeat business. And that's the gift of courage. Mm. Beautifully said, man. I told you the show was going to go by like lickety split. It's already been 48 minutes. We've been sitting here jamming. My final question to you um, before I ask people where they can get a hold of you is who's inspired you? Who's been your hero in your life? Whether it's a it's a movie star or, or somebody personal, who's been that, that 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 source of inspiration and that source of courage for you to model after? The last four and a half years with that doubt, it's been Muhammad Ali. Yeah. What he achieved outside of the ring. Just everything that he stood for, the courage, the absolute courage, determination. He was so resolute. I mean, he was just the best boxer, in my view, in, in history. But how he stood firm and how he was a trailblazer of change. My favorite Muhammad Ali quote, it isn't the mountain's head to climb that wears you out. It's the pebble in your shoe. And I imagine if the pebble of homophobia, transphobia, racism, hatred were removed from somebody's shoe, they didn't have to experience it what they would be able to achieve, what mountains they could climb. Yes. No, I, I was into boxing before um, when I was younger and, and Muhammad Ali was always like my, my serious source of inspiration. He was, um, you know, he was just the real deal. You know, it, it was yeah. before I found out, you know, there's, um, depending on who you talk to, I haven't followed boxing in, in decades, but um, you know, it just, it seemed like it wasn't on the up and up as it, as it, as it was appeared to be. Um, but Muhammad Ali always like struck me as the person that was that was completely authentic and congruent and and kind of carried the torch for it when boxing was great. Yeah. yeah so where absolutely. can people where can people get a hold of you, Martin, to continue the conversation? So my website, mydinstark.co, no plug for myself. If you want to learn how to be impactful on LinkedIn, I have a course which is on my website. Or you can me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm posting content every day and spending far too much time on there. But I've met many wonderful friends on LinkedIn. Awesome, awesome. And for those everybody that are listening to the show on audio podcast, which it'll be coming out at three o'clock tomorrow morning, um, all of these uh, links are in the show notes. So again, definitely connect with Martin. Um, I've gotten the opportunity to know him and research him a little bit over the last couple of days. Uh, we met. Uh, when did we meet? A couple of months ago, at least. It's a couple been... of months ago, Kate McLaren. She referred to some yeah, a great, Kate, great Kate. friend of mine, great hero of mine. Oh yeah. She's amazing. She actually came out to California, but I couldn't wrangle her to, to have a meeting because uh, she was so focused on her boxing and everything. But brother, thank you for being you. Thank you for shining your light. Thank you for being out there and being an advocate for change and harmony and love and peace in this world. Uh, I look forward to following your journey and, and having you on again so we can continue this conversation because I know it's impacted tons and tons of people. Um, I'm going to go ahead and place you backstage, but don't go anywhere because I still want to talk to you and I'm just going to close out the show. Brilliant. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, sir. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you guys have been quiet in the comment section. That's crazy. Usually you guys are blowing up my comments, but I have a feeling that you guys are really kind of just taking this conversation in, which I value and appreciate you guys. I know uh, quite a few of you, five, say that again, quite a few of you uh, watch this on replay tomorrow because it's already like 10 o'clock at night, almost 11 o'clock at night on the East coast. So thank you for that. But the thing I want you to take from this conversation is the fact that you have within side of yourself, the opportunity to say stop at any particular moment when things aren't working for you.
Like when you think, am I happy in my life? Yes or no. And you get on, there's no, maybe there's no sort of, am I happy in my life? Yes or no? No. Okay. What is it that I'm willing to, to give up? What is it that I'm willing to sacrifice? What is it that I'm willing to do a little bit differently and a little bit better in order to achieve that happiness? And if the, if the problem with the happiness is you feel you don't deserve it, or you're not worthy enough for it. I suggest to you to reach out to me. There's a couple of books that I can recommend to you that will, will change your perspective on that value and on that worth. It's pretty incredible when you start reading and you start educating yourself on a consistent basis. I've read thousands of books. I mean, I could sit there and I could tell you 25 books to read that would completely transform your life. If you just took one tip from each one of those books, it would be pretty incredible what it is that you can do. So but when you think about that, you think about this opportunity to say today it stops. Today, I'm no longer going to tolerate the negative self-talk that I give myself. Today, I'm no longer going to tolerate the fact that I put up with people in my life just because I'm afraid of being alone. No longer am I going to tolerate to go work a job that I'm unhappy in, that I know is killing me with the stress and everything else. Today is the day. And that's what I want you to take from this conversation with Martin tonight is the fact that you get to decide that. You get to decide when you get to have the courage to sit there and say, you know what? It's time that I step up and I step out. It's time that I own who I am and be authentic and congruent with it. Might there be people that don't agree with me and don't like it? Sure. I can wish them well. I don't have to have any anger and animosity about that whatsoever. I've had to wish lots of people well in my life. Even my sister, my biological sister, I wished her well back in 2005 when I reconnected with her. And I have no regrets about that. You know, it's an opportunity for us when we set the boundaries and we stop tolerating the bullshit excuses for ourselves and we stop tolerating the people in our life that are toxic and we learn how to forgive and have empathy for ourselves and for other people that have uh, maybe hurt us in the past. And when we realize, we choose to realize that everything that's happened and everything that's happening is preparing you for what's next, right? We talked about it is what it is. It is what it is. What is it that I'm supposed to be learning from this experience? And then get excited about that learning because when you look back on your life, when have you grown the most? When things were easy or when things were challenging and hard and difficult and fucked up and ugly? Of course, when things are fucked up and challenging and ugly, how do you get to the top of the mountain? You have to hike and you get skinned up and you get tired and you get sweaty. But when you get to the top, you look out and you go, fuck, the view is worth it, right? When somebody says, hey, come look at this. Hey, it's going to be a challenge for you to get up here, but it's going to be so worth it. That's the same thing with your life. When you choose to stop tolerating the bullshit and the mediocrity and the laziness and the excuses, and you start hustling, you start doing your best. Like we talked about, when you start really having that discipline, that sense of having a big enough, why, wow, I have a big enough. Why for me, my why is that I use my words and my actions every day to make this world a better place for who I am and what I do. My why is so that I set the example for my son to follow that. If this is the last thing I ever do, he watches it and goes, man, dad was on point. Dad was doing what is exactly he said he was going to do. And because I wrote my eulogy years ago, I've had that clear vision of who it is that I choose to become. And so every day when I wake up, I start my day with that vision of who it is that I get to be today. This is all I get is today. I don't know. I have no guarantee for tomorrow. I have no guarantee for the next 10 minutes. So who am I going to be in this moment? Stop playing the someday game, ladies and gentlemen. Someday is no place on a calendar. Today is someday. Today could be that someday for you. Or you can choose because you get to make the choices. You can't blame anybody else. You can't blame God. You can't blame the government. You can't blame your parents. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame anybody because you're the person making the decisions. You're the one putting the food in your mouth. You're the one putting the drink in your mouth. You're the one that's scrolling through social media and not doing the shit you need to be doing. You're the one that's doing that. 
And I say that with all love and transparency, but until you fucking get it in your brain and you sit there and realize, man, if I stop doing this shit, guess what? I'm going to get different results. And it's not going to be easy, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not here to blow smoke up your ass. I'm here to tell you that it's going to be challenging and difficult, but guess what? As you continue to do it day in and day out, you get out of your comfort zone a little bit more every single day. What it is that you're going to be like in three months, six months, nine months, three years, five years, what different type of person, who are you going to have in your life? Because either way, the time's going to go by if you're fortunate enough, but how would it be if you showed up three years from now and you're still exactly the same place? You're in the same miserable job. You're just still doing the same shit over and over again, expecting different results, hoping, wishing, and praying that can start today. Like Martin said. So I really encourage you to get a hold of him, get in touch with him, you know, find out more about what it is that his story is about and what it is that you can do to find your own courage and resiliency. And I just in invite you to come back here next week on the Ron and scripted show. We're here every single Tuesday night, 7 PM Pacific standard time. And next up uh, next week, we have all, oh, we have one of my, we have one of my, my sisters, Courtney's going to be in the house. Courtney fighter. I hope I pronounce it right. I, I never have to say her last name, but Courtney is going to be on the show. Yeah. Courtney fighter. Um, fader. Oh, I hope she's not watching right now, uh, but she's going to be on the show. We're going to be talking about being wild humans. She has this whole organization, this whole course, all about being wild humans. Wild is an acronym. So we're going to be talking about that. But in the meantime, feel free to go visit oexcusescoach.com. Get on the book list, uh, find out more about the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. But most importantly, just do one thing nice for somebody else every single day, pay it forward. And let's make this world a better place for who we are and what we do. A lot of people are struggling right now and it's up to us. It's up to us to go out there and be the change that we bitch about. So I love you guys from Ron and scripted from the misfits for life. I'll see you here next time and uh, go out there and be the change that you want to see. Peace.